Welcome to a very special edition of the Paper Keg Podcast. Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Uh, with me, as always, since uh, Mark Farrington passed away, Jonesy loves beer. He's a writer. He knows Batman intimately through his many years of comic reading and TV watching and whatever else he does. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you know, Batman the Animated Series is how I got into comics on the reg. I thought you were going to say and, how you got into podcasting. Uh, sure. That too. And to uh, to be able to talk about possibly the best Batman story to ever hit the silver screen is a real treat. I thought you were going to talk about how Batman the Animated Series got you into the two and a half foot Christian Bale doll that's <laughs> living in your garage. He comes in for a coffee every once in a while. He hasn't switched over to green tea <laughs> has, with me John yet. John Z. Lowesbeer has had a two and a half foot Christian Bale doll since Batman Begins, I think, and just sitting in his den in the same box, just watching you, always watching, it never is, out of the box. the Dark Knight version, so that's at least five oh. years. And uh, rounding out the trio, he's been called a Twitter celeb, podcast bad boy, also a father, Dale underscore A, host of the Book Jug podcast. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, Book Jug. Uh, check it out. Me and my buddy do a, a book club style podcast, and uh, we love it. And so does Simon Vance. The ultimate Simon troll. Vance. The ultimate troll. Uh, what a show we have planned. Batman Mask of the Phantasm, the second time I've ever done a, a special show like this, one shot. Previous show we did was The Wolverine. Best Wolverine movie ever made. That's all we need to say about Bar, it. Bar none. Uh, but we thought we would go back to the well a second time and discuss The Mask of the Phantasm. Animated movie <coughs> released in theaters. I saw it in theaters when I was a Ute. Young Buck. As did I. Uh, Dad, what were you? What, you were in high school when this came out? <laughs> uh, what was it? Uh, it was probably 12 or 13, depending on what part of the 93 came out. I was 7th, 8th grade. You probably just started growing that beard that you have now. It's Yeah, it legitimately has taken this long for me to grow anything on my face. So. Um Jonesy, so Jonesy, do you want to get into the synopsis and maybe we can get into the history of this movie a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I will give you the synopsis. Uh, someone is taking out gangsters in Gotham City. Uh, a cloaked figure with a cape. Someone who resembles the Batman from afar. But it isn't the Batman. It's someone called the Phantasm. A dark character who has a vendetta against the living members of the original mafia from years ago. As this is going on in the personal life of Bruce Wayne, the old flame of his when he was first starting out in the vigilante business shows up. Miss Andrea Beaumont, the daughter of the financier of said previous mob. And they 
have a tumultuous rejoining that eventually ends up in a rekindling of their romance. The phantasm causes so much stir that Batman himself is pegged as a phantasm and chased by his friends and the police force, turning his life upside down, and also catches the ire of the Joker, who is revealed to have been a young mobster, a young enforcer for this group, before he became the arch-villain he is known for today. The climax of the film ends with Batman facing his one greatest foe, the real true threat, the Joker. And the Phantasm is unmasked. So you thought you saw it in theaters? I did. What did you what was your initial impression as a young buck? Uh, to see so the animation quality and the sound production quality and the score uh, was just the series amplified to its best possible level. So to see the character frames and, and the setting that I was used to, but with such a jump in quality was mind-boggling for me at such a young age because I didn't realize that what I was getting on TV wasn't the best stuff they could make. You know, it was cheap. They try to repeat frames, etc., you know, this movie was all hand-drawn and never repeated for this film. It's all new animation, and it's all done to the highest quality. I mean, it even rivals some of the computer-generated stuff you get from DC's animated releases now. And I was stunned by it. I mean, this was my Batman, was the animated series Batman. And I was getting a, a close-to-two-hour special movie with uh, the standout character of the whole film being the Joker. And what more can you ask from a Batman film than uh, new characters that don't suck, uh, a glimpse at the origin of Batman, and, you know, Mark Hamill as the Joker through more than half of this film, probably his best Joker work is Mass of the Phantasm. And you just get this prize package, and there's no wonder that it's revered as, uh, and it is by me, the best Batman to ever grace the movie theater. Plus, I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not discounting Nolan's work. Sounds it like you just great. did. It sounds like you just booed all over it. <coughs> I you do don't have think, a two and a half foot Kevin Conroy <laughs> in your garage. This is <laughs> this. I mean, you have to agree. This is the most fully realized Batman story. That's probably ever been told in a two-hour movie format. I will, as I was watching it, I was thinking in my head that this would probably even make a badass live-action film. Like, if this were yeah. the next Batman movie, I thought it would have been pretty cool. What more can you ask for? You also get Bruce Wayne and this minx essentially just having hardcore make-out sesh the second time yeah. they've ever met in his backyard. They've said three sentences to each other, and they're going at it. You can't you can't see that anywhere else in a kids movie. Yeah, I th- and that that was in my youth when I saw it. I remember thinking, for one, when it that it was released in theaters, that it was full length. It obviously had the chops to make it to theaters, but it also had a harder edge to it. I mean, that Bruce Wayne's hardcore uh, making out, Joker's like slapping a woman on the behind. <laughs> At one point, it was it was blood. There was racy blood. for 
And yeah, there was blood for Batman the animated series. You know, this him was with, like, like bloody the, face, uh, cut arms. That was like that changed the animated superhero game in, in my eyes when I saw this in the theaters. Mm-hmm. And how about just some of the bad A moments that they were able to incorporate that I guess they they couldn't show because of that reason in the series. Like, in the opening scene where Batman takes out like the whole boardroom of um, gangsters and he flips up that conference table and there's like that one gangster struggling to get out and he just nonchalantly like just kicks down with his boot and knocks him out like you would never saw that you know at fox four thirty in the afternoon but in the feature length uh you know animated film we got those those cool moments or uh when the planes at the end are kind of like cutting up his arms so he like punches one and you see like the blood spray go mm. whereas knuckle is like hitting the spinning blade then he kind of does that cool move where he captures it in its cape smashes it then throws his cape back on as he kind of like walks moodily out of the room. I mean, th- these are just so many great sequences that we wouldn't get in serialized afternoon cartoons. I never realized it when I first saw it. I don't think I saw it in theaters. I remember my stepbrother went to see it at the time. I was super envious, but I didn't get to go for whatever reason. So the first time I saw it was on VHS. And uh, just recently watching it on my iPad, I bought it on Amazon. And listening to it with my earphones, oh yeah, the score is incredible. You could hear the instruments play during the during the scenes. Just the the up close and the the production value of the score as a whole is uh, unprecedented. I mean, it's incredible to to witness. And on top of that. The audio production of the movie is, it blew my mind. I listened to this on, or I watched it on my iPad with my headphones on. And maybe the regular series is like this too, and I just never listened with headphones. But yeah, when you hear the sound effects, like the gunshots, I was like, holy crap, this is pretty, this is pretty great. The car doors. Yeah. And I mean, the whole production of the movie was amazing. And I remember reading on Wikipedia, so who knows how true it is, but... They had originally started production of it as in regular 4x3 format, and then they decided for the theatrical release mid-production. So they ended up having to redraw. The Wikipedia said redraw some of the scenes. So I wondered while I was watching it, because I had read that ahead of time, I was wondering, like, are any of these scenes just zoomed in to fit the widescreen format? So I was looking for, like, some animated shots that maybe didn't fit in a widescreen format to see if they cut corners like that. And I wasn't sure if I did see any. That's interesting. I didn't, um, there were, there was also, I don't think I did. I, I don't know I don't if I saw I any, but there was some weird, I actually didn't consider the animation in this better than some of the best animated series episodes. I don't know why, but there were some episodes that I actually liked the animation style a little bit better than the movie. I mean, there were some fantastic shots in the movie, like, Maybe it felt like they had different animation teams do the scenes where he first puts on the cape and cow in the flashback. Man, that, that was some magic stuff. So right there. vividly drawn, oh, yeah. and just to be able to get the animated reaction of Alfred's face, mm-hmm. where he just kind of like <laughs> steps back, and there's that fear, like he's afraid as he walks by him. But there's like there's one shot in that sequence where 
uh, it's animated that he's he's in the cave. It's just like a work table. There's like a shaft of moonlight, like right on the table, and you just see like the cut of his hair as he's staring down at his own mask for the first time. That's some of the best animation I've ever seen drawn by hand. I mean, poetic almost. Hmm. I loved the the set piece of the final battle. I thought was. I mean, you couldn't have picked a better scenario of like an old rundown, uh, f- like World's Fair in a Go- in Gotham City. That's like the most ideal scenario for a Batman climax of a movie. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, it, it was so cinematic. The set that set piece and the uh, the the music that went along with the um, the rides or the ex- exhibition, the exhibits. Oh, it it's just and his Joker's hideout. It, it's such a fantastic p- piece for for a movie mm-hmm. to go into. It's like under a huge dome. It's it's my, twenty miles of tunnels underneath. They they the setting was just perfect for where Joker just happened to live with the, his robotic wife. That was, with the knife. that was like kind of <laughs> teetering on the edge of what would be acceptable for a kids movie. Like his like inside jokes about how. He essentially wanted to have relations with this robot, or he wasn't feeling the any. old electricity tonight. Yeah, and he patted yeah. he patted the robot like rather right end. Like you could easily hear like an inside story. Like here's the deleted scene of the Joker with the robot that we had to cut, where he patted the robot <laughs> on the ass, and you'd be like, man, yeah, I imagine why they cutted that, but that was still in the movie. Yeah, the, the I don't know and. I don't know. Everything was. It was just. It was so nostalgic to see it again. I, it was. It's been so long since I've seen it. I haven't watched it since VHS, and uh, it's just all great. Jim Gordon sticking up for Batman right to the end. Yeah, like given he like essentially quit at the at that one scene. Where he just like walked out. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that you get to see a lot of Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne can be happy it, it, you don't see that a lot even in any in any movie but uh, bruce I, wayne loves a woman mm-hmm. i think the best uh, maybe the best put together sequence of the film story-wise is that moment in the flashback where he's at the grave site and he's like I, i'm sorry i didn't expect to be happy mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Uh, like the the plan has changed i would never expect it to feel this way uh, you know, th- this woman has brought me out of uh, the sadness, and he's begging his parents' memory. You know, I'll, I'm rich. I'll buy more cops. I'll, I'll donate. Yeah. I'll, I'll do whatever I can. Just, to, just alleviate the guilt that I'm feeling. And of course, the one to save him again is her, saying it's okay. You know, maybe I'm the sign. Maybe the the sign you're looking for to be okay is really me. And what a like what an adult moment in a kid's story that uh, mm-hmm. if that would have been in a live action film that could have been like an you know uh, Oscar nominated sequence where that happens mm-hmm. it was and what a great and story just, and it's just so in relation to him speaking out loud to his parents in the at at the grave site is is a sign there because he didn't he he thought that was peculiar before and when he heard uh, Andrea talking to her mom so it's almost like even that was was brought out of him because of her. He's so he's asking out loud for forgiveness and to alleviate the guilt and stuff. It's just it was really cool to see him 
Vulnerable. Not brooding. Yeah, vulnerable. Yeah. Well, I meant to look it up before we recorded, and I was a dope and didn't, but do, do either of you know who did the voice of uh, the, what's her face? The love interest. Andrea Beaumont, pre-Lois Lane, Dana Delaney. Man, she was fantastic. This is how, I actually uh, thought, I think this is how she landed the role in Superman. I thought it was Catwoman's voice actress the whole time, and I was always wondering uh, why they just chose the same actress. <laughs> they were so similar mm. in my eyes, and she was she was amazing. Um, but man, very similar to the actress that did Catwoman for some reason in my head. I have to go back and check that, but I kind of feel the same way now you're saying it. Check the archives of Masculine Phantasm. The, the Jones archives. <laughs> there, there, how about the scene... There's Joker was so good in this movie, the Joker character. He had so many funny moments that I guess there's just not enough time in the animated series for him to do. Like every scene where he was by himself, the scene where they got out of the fan scenario and he just like snapped his fingers at the end, like dang, almost got him. And <laughs> just everything with him in this movie was like the apex of that character at the animated series, I thought. I think... It- even though the Phantasm and Andrea Beaumont is the showcase of this movie, the standout character is the Joker. I mean, he steals the show every scene he's in. And we're, we're still talking about a cartoon when I say that. I mean, when he's with Reeves in the office and he's talking about figuring out who the Phantasm really is, kind of getting the real story behind uh, Beaumont's father... Like just his jives at uh, at Reeves and when uh, when he kind of gets sly and said, "Yeah, that's what I'm saying," and he and he's kind of toying with Reeves all the time because you know he's you know the Joker doesn't leave anybody you know alive to tell the tale if he, he's going to use that person. But just that interaction was a way I've never seen the Joker in the animated story again a much more adult uh, feel, and then. To have the Joker solve the mystery before Batman, I mean, incredible. Oh, yeah. He figures yeah. it out before Bruce does. I was actually, yeah, that's it's true. funny and how they do kind of reveal a piece <laughs> of Joker's, not origin, but maybe pre-origin, like pre-origin Joker. And usually people just go ape-ass if like you try to tell a story that isn't already written and... You know, there was no uproar about how Joker was a character in the in the plot of this film, like when he was a younger guy. But I did think it was funny how at the end where Batman figured out that this guy eventually turned out to be Joker, he just drew like this two orange lines and it connected the dots. And there was no way, in my eyes, there was no way that that looked like the Joker at all of his drawing. Or <laughs> he just drew like a, an orange mouth and then that, that was it. That solved the riddle of who this guy was. Has his big pointy nose? I think that. Uh, I mean, him. he should have just drawn around his face with a white, or just drew his nose with a white crayon or something, and then pieced it together. Yeah. Did you catch the? Um, I would have never got this back then, but now, the, because I'm more familiar, when Batman was in his Batcave, he, he he brought up two businesses when he was doing some detective work, and one was. Uh, like Adams Landscaping and O'Neill Hardware, something or other like that. Oh, so it's really? two nods hmm. to artists and creators on on the on Batman. Oh, that's cool. Do you know Beaumont uh, appears again in the Bat Universe after this film? Not a lot of people know. At the it's end not, of the Justice League, I was about to ask if it was like Batman Beyond or some such. 
while it is connected to Batman Beyond, in the Justice League, the final season, they kind of had, I think, like six or eight throwaway episodes where they kind of tied up all these loose ends, and but they still have production time left. So they made a two-parter that kind of gave us a real ending to Batman Beyond. And uh, Amanda Waller, I guess, in her strive to make the next Batman wanted to kill Terry McGinnis's parents to kind of recreate the tragedy uh, that created Bruce Wayne. So she hires Beaumont, who's part of the Suicide Squad at this point, what? to go in what? and uh, take them out and cause a tragedy to create a Batman. And because of her love for Batman in this film, she refuses to do it. She refuses to be part of that. What? Oh wow! You guys got to see it. I think if JLU is on uh, Netflix yeah, now, those episodes have to be on there. See if you can get us episode titles. Put them in the show notes. Just blew my mind. It's pretty sweet, right? Was she still? Did she still wear the same costume, the Phantasm? <coughs> it's been so long since I've seen it. Oh god! I want to say she still just wears the black jumpsuit and the uh, like that double bladed mitt she has on her hand. I want to say that's still there. The voice was so, which is not conducive for any sort of villainy or hero. They never even really not. explained how she built the costume, how she or avoided how she's getting so shot well trained. in the face. Um, any of that stuff was ignored. How she teleported. Yeah, how do you how do you get how do you get that power just out of nowhere? You guys are essentially poor because you can't pay back the gangsters. And she develops this billion dollar technology that even Batman doesn't have. <laughs> Can you imagine if Batman had a smoke glove? <laughs> that he could just spray and disappear through, he'd be like he the would. best hero ever. He would ever. be more ominous if he used a fraction mm-hmm. of the Phantasm's technology. <laughs> it was also a really, dopey knife mitt. <laughs> it was also really awesome where they were at the old the World's Fair where he saw what would eventually become the Batmobile or the inspiration oh, nice for the touch. Batmobile. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually... That was a great episode of the show, The Mechanic. The mechanic I literally just watched oh. that episode and... There's a really great emotional moment in that episode where the mechanic is like beating up the gangsters and he's so emotionally distraught that you could see him crying as he's trying to like do the right thing and try to help Batman at the last minute. What a great episode that was. Although the one thing I was really bummed out at was at the end of that episode, the mechanic said that he was going to build a new Batmobile that was even better and stronger than the, or the current version. It never happened. Sad. Yeah, definitely. Was so. that was that one of the they last episodes? Up, before? Did they wrap that up at all, Jonesy? When, uh, <laughs> in Justice League, the mechanic was the actually the mechanic for the Suicide Squad, and because of his <laughs> love for Batman, he refused to make a Create death a trap Batmobile. Batmobile. And together, I I felt for a second like I had stepped into Farrington's shoes, and like Mark, you immediately dogpiled on me for knowing anything about the DCU beyond what we already know. <laughs> But man, I mean, I watched it last week and ended up having to watch it again a second time today because it was just a week is too far away to for me to talk about anything. And it does end on like a really somber note with just him overseeing the city, you know, realizing that again, yeah. that he just can't connect with anyone. And I thought it was really awesome that at a period of his life as a guy bef- before he became Batman, there was that chance for him to have true love and to never become Batman. And it was just like taken away from him. Poor guy. Oh, and then she throws it back in his face 
at the World's Fair where he says, like, you can't live your life trying to seek vengeance it doesn't work and then she throws it right back at his face and he his mask eyes oh, like blew up like oh you just owned me right there heck yeah how about uh how about when she b slaps him when they're in when he comes a visitor and she knows she's figured out that he's batman and uh he's like who sent you here did your father send you here and she's like the way i see it the only person ruled by their parents in this room is you <laughs> even i was like oh Oh no, Andre! You didn't. Oh, terrible. She she was written very well. The the character of of Andrea, where she literally could just destroy Bruce, and she knew everything about him, and could break him down mm-hmm. into nothing. And she did it, and just have Bruce comfortable enough to be around her in, in his tights and stuff like that. It's just it just shows a super vulnerable side, and and. Uh, it's something you don't get from an armored up, you know, dark knight that lives in Jonesy's garage. It's <laughs> two and a half feet tall. It's not the same thing. Uh, best comedic moment in the film is when the flashback to his pre-Batman vigilante outfit, mm. which is just a double-breasted coat and a ski, uh, hot, or ski mask. Mm-hmm. And he, like, flips out with a shout. He's like, he yeah <laughs> And they just kind of, like, don't even stop what they're doing and slowly look at him. Yeah. Amazing. There was some weird, like, my one issue with the animation was the way Batman stood when he opened his cape. I just thought it was really odd. But on the rewatch this time as, I was, as I'm older, there was a lot of scenes where he would open his cape and kind of be perched a little bit with his knee out. And it looked like an homage to the older uh, Bob Kane, Bill Finger era of Batman, where he was wearing the purple gloves and he was always kind of like in a weird body stance. And it was—it looked like a subtle homage to that animation. I meant to screenshot it on my iPad, but I never did. But it was there were some cool touches like that, and even the scene where he was running away from the cops in that building reminded me of Batman Year One. Now I. I- that's like almost a direct homage. I mean, yeah. when he is, whenever the spotlights are on him and he's in a building that's under construction. Uh, and I did think it was strange, though, that Andrea had to save him, unless that was just their their segue into reconnecting them. But, uh, mm. I mean, it just seems like Batman was a little too incompetent. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I that was what, a little yeah, too shoehorn. Like you know, yeah. the man who has a contingency for everything is caught with his peas down <laughs> and has to get saved by the phantasm. Uh, I, not to say that less of my enjoyment of the film. It's just one right. of those moments where it didn't jive with the overall mythos of Batman. Well, he's in love. You know, love makes you do crazy things, John Z. Like get shot out by the cops and not having any idea what to do. <laughs> I mean, That's why he's good. no, no smoke bombs when you're in love, huh? That's why he hardens up after this. He's That's got right. To. He becomes a new Batman. I also love the scene where the cops were trying to get into the Batwing with just like the butt ends of their gun and they were just like bagging on it. <laughs> like that was going to just magically allow them into that Batwing. Like the glass would just slide down and be like, oh, you guys got me. <laughs> you're right. You're, you're right, guys. You're right. Let me see what, other, what am I thinking? Let me see what other screenshots I took here. But yeah, the music was fantastic good grief i don't know how a show like this can just have such amazing music 
Is that uh, Andrea Romano, the legend? Yeah, it was just all that scene that I screenshot of him putting on the mask. Man. And that wussy Alfred being deathly afraid of him with just the mask on. I like how uh, Alfred, like two or three times, was uh, had to spin around. He was like walking in on them making out like two or three times when he was bringing them tea. (laughs) It's like each and every time. Can't keep their hands off each other. I don't long enough for to enjoy some tea. More like handsy man. I I think people said that the zero Sub Zero movie was better than Phantasm. Get out of here. I think so. But this was pre Nolan, so like people were like, "Oh, this is the best Batman movie." You know, like the people. I mean, the Sub Zero movie was good, but it's no Mask of the Phantasm. I'm just saying, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, Uh, probably because you know. Sub Zero had Dick Grayson in it, and it was kind of that new animation style that was so hip with the kids back then. Oh, was it the updated uh, kind of black and gray style Batman? I think it was. I think it was a transitional film, or it wasn't quite there yet. But it wasn't the Batman animation we knew and loved. There was also the Mystery of the Catwoman. I think uh, that Batman was the, definitely the new animation style, but I, I don't think I ever saw that one. Mask? Did you? Did you see it? The Watching it. Watching it, like what we talked about on our iPad for the sound, watching it on our iPad for the animation mm. was really cool. You could tell it was all hand-drawn, and the uh, some of the animations of like the clouds parting or moving across each other, you could almost tell that they were like separate layers of like animation cell mm-hmm. and they were like being moved in separate ways it was really really cool yeah and it was really nice to see like not even just elaborate set pieces but you know the room where his painting of his parents are like you're able to see the scene where he opens the door and his shadow extends across the entire room and you like you're allowed to have scenes like that simmer for an extra 30 seconds or a minute where you would yeah. never have that happen in the TV show and you're allowed to take yeah. in the 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 surroundings like that room you're able to see the gorgeousness of the the architecture of the room pretty much at a level yeah it yeah and it's it's cool because it has such an impact even though you think about it's like a 30 by 30 room and there's one armchair in there and a painting and a bookshelf like it's so sparse but it works for the animation style and the whole architecture and the world building of that gotham and that world for the animated series. Uh, I just did a quick Google image search of uh, Sub-Zero, and it's definitely an amalgamation of the old and the new. The Batman and Robin models are definitely the ones we saw when the show went to the Adventures of Batman and Robin moniker for like a season. Mm. Uh, and But the uh, Mr. Freeze models and the Barbara Gordon models are definitely leaning towards that huh. new art style. Interesting. I don't think that I'm not sure if that's on Amazon or not because Amazon just added all the animated series episodes. Mm. And what's interesting too is like some of the intros are different per episode. Like the first episode of Batman has the Superman Batman Adventures intro, and some of the episodes have the old original intro, and some of them have I think like the Batman Robin Adventures intro. It's really weird. That's strange. It sounds like it's not. It wasn't curated very well. Need to get or... an intern on that, picking those files up. Yeah, absolutely. Mask of the Phantasm. It was cool that we 
did our second special episode on ba- Mask of the Phantasm. So much nostalgia for all of us. Absolutely. I don't know. I, uh, I just went ahead and bought it on iTunes. I knew I had to own it. Yeah. So. Yeah, you did. I knew, I knew Gen Z had to own it, too. I could feel it in my bones. Oh, yeah. You could tell. <laughs> he bought it before you even finished compiling the email uh, <laughs> asking what, 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 what you do it on. Maybe um, maybe our next one should be the animated film Akira. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. Ooh. Wow. Just laying it out there, you know, just, just an idea. Just an idea. Yeah. Man alive. Man alive. Akira. Uh, shoot us a review on iTunes. You know, tell us what you thought of Mask of the Phantasm. Poor Batman can't catch a break. Yeah, God. Poor great guy. We'll see everybody next time. It just doesn't hurt as bad anymore. I can get more cops. I could donate to the city. Please. Oh my God, I'm crying right now. Gotta put in that 90s love song at the end of the movie. A singing spot by Tia Carreri. Of uh, Carrere. Carreri? That's right. Of uh, Wayne's World fame? fame? I think it's Carrera. <laughs> Carrera? Carreri? Carrare? The only person pulled by their parents in this room is you. <laughs>